Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be gathered together here in Geneva. Thank you for the Adventist Fellowship. Thank you for bringing us from so many different places. Thank you that despite of us being from so many different cultures and nations, that we can be united in the one person, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you will be present as we open your word today. I pray that you will speak through me, that you will remove all distractions, and that your word will not return unto you void, but accomplish in that which you are pleased. Lord, may your word find a permanent dwelling place in our hearts and minds. May it bring transformation, Lord, and may we discover the treasure that is in Christ Jesus. And may we want that treasure. May all of our, of our affections be on that treasure so that the things of this world may dim in comparison. And so bless us now, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you have your Bibles with you. And if you do, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 44. Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44. So I'd like to read it again. This is the single Bible text that we'll be studying this morning. And we will look at a few other passages that will help us to understand this one. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the Bible says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. You know, in ancient times, it was uh, common for men to hide their treasure in the earth. Now, um, it was quite frequent with robbery and theft, and they had no banks where they could store their possessions or their money, and so the earth became a secure place where they would hide valuable possessions. Sometimes the place of concealment was forgotten. Uh, perhaps the person that put that treasure in the earth, perhaps he got exiled or or uh, perhaps he died, or perhaps he got imprisoned, or for some reason he would be separated from his treasure, and the treasure would be forgotten. Now, the man in the parable here, he is not owning the land that he is working on, but he is merely um, hiring the land in order to plow and cultivate it. And so it was not uncommon in the days of Jesus that as you worked on a neglected land that you would come across some valuable thing, whether some coins or, or some costly array or some type of treasure. So just imagine what this must have been like. There's a man, according to this parable, that hires a piece of land where he's going to work and he's cultivating the land in order to have a harvest or in order to provide for himself and his family. And as he's working away on that land, suddenly he discovers something. I don't know how it happened. Perhaps he stubbed his toe or he saw something that was sticking out of the earth or, or as he was plowing up the earth that it just came up like that. But he sees something of great value. And so as he stoops down and, 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 and looks at what he has found, he discovers that this is not just anything insignificant. This is something very significant. This is something of great value. He has discovered a treasure. And what he has discovered is of more worth 
than everything that he owns. And so the parable tells us that uh, this man, he goes back, or basically it says first that he covers it up again. Remember, it's not his land. In other words, he does not own the land and everything that is in the land belongs to the owner, so it's not his, but he has a plan. He goes home and he sells everything that he has to get the money that is needed to buy that field. Now, I want, you to, I want us to just pause for a moment here and I want you to think about what this must have looked like for his friends and his neighbors and everyone that knew this man. They don't know anything about the treasure that he has found. The only thing that they see with their physical eyes and the only thing that they understand with their minds is that this guy, he is crazy. I mean, why on earth would you sell everything that you have to buy an empty, neglected field? It makes no sense. And so I can just imagine them looking on and he's selling one thing after the other. He's getting rid of everything that he has and now he just has this, this money and he goes and he buys an empty, probably ugly, neglected field. I mean, why on earth would you do something like that? And I believe here already we can discover the first truth that Jesus is trying to teach us through this parable. When you follow Jesus, you will look crazy. Those around you will think, what on earth are you up to? What, what are you doing? Have you had the experience that you came to faith in Jesus and perhaps your, even your own family or, or perhaps your co-workers or, or someone around you, your friends, they just thought, what, what, is, what are you up to? What are you doing? Why are you giving up all of this for, in their minds, in their eyes, they see nothing but an empty field? What are you getting yourself into? They thought he had lost it. It looks absolutely crazy. They only see the empty field, but he sees something else. He sees what they do not see. He sees a precious treasure. Now the beauty, sometimes we say it like this, the beauty or the value is in the eye of the beholder, amen? So when you come to Christ, there is a beauty that you see in the cross. There is a beauty that you see in the message. There is a beauty that you see in the gospel. Others around you don't always see that. And so they think that you are making a bad investment. Why on earth would you give a tenth of your possessions you know, to, uh, uh, to the church you belong to? Why on earth would you sacrifice your time and your, and your talents to, to something such as that? Why would you use so much of your resources and, and so much of who you are to give to that? They see it as a bad investment, but we see it as the best investment ever because we have seen the treasure. The essence of this parable in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, one verse parable, but the essence of this parable is about seeing and savoring the value of the gospel in the person Jesus Christ, which is our treasure. Can you say amen? Let me repeat that. The essence of this parable is about seeing and savoring, that is your affections being on, the value of the gospel as it is displayed in the person Jesus Christ. Jesus is our treasure. Now, when we 
see Jesus for who he is. And when we understand that he is the treasure that is worth beyond everything that we own and everything that we are, we start pursuing that with all of our affections. I want to take you to another verse. We'll come back to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, but I want to take you to the book of Psalms. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms and go to chapter 27, Psalm 27. And we're going to look at verse 4. I love this verse. Psalm 27 and verse 4. When you're there, you can say, praise God. Psalm 27, verse 4 says, one thing. How many things? One thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? Well, he tells us, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David, the psalm writer here, he says that there's just one single purpose to life. There's just one single purpose and that is to find joy in God, to desire the Lord, to seek after Him, to behold His beauty, to behold Him as the treasure, and to inquire in His temple. In other words, to grow in that knowledge of the treasure, to see more and more value in the cross and in the person, Jesus Christ. Now, as I read verse 4 and I contemplated this Scripture. there were a couple of words that jumped out for me. The word desired, the word behold, and the word beauty. He desires to behold something. And what does he desire to behold? He desires to behold beauty. Actually, the word for beauty here is the Hebrew word noam, which means splendor of grace. So what is it that he desires to behold? He desires to see the splendor of God that is on display, and it's the splendor of his grace. You see, my friends, following Jesus is not something that we do out of discipline merely. Following Jesus is because we desire to see beauty. Amen? You see, Jesus doesn't just want your theoretical decision. He wants your affections. Jesus is not just after your mind, he's after your heart. Amen? And the parable shows that, that this man that, that discovers the treasure, that finds the treasure, his affections are now no longer on his possessions. He sells them all, he gets rid of them. His affections are now focused on one object, and that is Jesus Christ. One thing have I desired, one thing, and that is to behold, to behold what? To behold the beauty. The beauty of what? the beauty, the splendor of God on display. Where do we find the splendor of God on display, my friends? In the scriptures? In the scriptures? Actually, the, um, the parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, is a beautiful parable that has so many facets of truth in it. And I believe that the field that the man is working in is actually a picture of the Bible. Because we are to seek the scriptures we are to in a sense plow the scriptures to dig deep into the scriptures and when we do so we will find the treasure we will find the gospel it's everywhere from genesis to revelation 
we will find the person Jesus Christ now when you think about this for the um, Hebrews for the Jews they had the Old Testament scriptures but their erroneous traditions had hidden the truth out of sight they were well versed in the text but they could not recognize Jesus for who he was when he walked this earth for 2,000 years ago it is like that they possessed the field listen very carefully they possessed the field and they were in the field they had the Old Testament scriptures it's like they're walking in the field but they had not discovered the treasure that was right beneath them and when I thought about that the thought came to me that could the same happen today in Christianity could it happen that um, we we follow the forms of Christianity we're in the field we come to church we have our Bibles and yet we have never found the treasure could it be that and I think especially when I thought about generational Christianity could it be that your parents discovered a field and a treasure and you inherited a field but you found no treasure and so you're walking in the church and you're going through the rituals and you're going through the motions and you have your Bible but you have not found Jesus and you're not savoring him for who he is your affections are somewhere else that's why in our generation today there are droves of young people that are leaving the church because there's only an amount of time that you will walk through an empty field because the world outside will look so much more attractive and if you are walking in an empty field and the world out there looks attractive your affections will be drawn to the world and that's why it's my prayer that that we can show our young people that there's a treasure right beneath them to be discovered you don't need to walk in an empty field my friends you have a treasure and I see young people that are leaving the church and I think to myself if only someone could show them the treasure what concerns me though is that there are people that stay in the field and that never find the, never find the treasure they pass the field to the next generation and the next generation receives a field without a treasure and they go through life they go through church life and and they pass the field on without a treasure and I thought to myself well what what makes people what motivates one to stay in the church to stay in Christianity to stay in an empty field where there is no treasure found what motivates them and there are different things I believe that could motivate us one tradition it's something that we do once a week it's a marginal activity you know I have my school I have my sports I have my recreation I have my interests I have my hobbies I have my affections on all those things but it's just tradition we as a family we go to church once a week and so I'm there it's too much energy to break with this tradition and so I just keep going on I'm in an empty field but I've never seen the treasure tradition something else that keeps us in an empty field without finding the treasure is discipline oh yes my friends there are those that say I will not leave the church but but I'm not having fun I'm not having joy I'm not seeing and 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 treasuring Jesus for who he is my affections are somewhere else but I'm just gonna white knuckled discipline myself to be in church year after year after year but there's no joy my affections are somewhere else 
It can be tradition. It can be discipline. Or it can be carelessness. By chance you happen to be here, but you could care less. If you would have been born into somewhere, into a, you know, somewhere else, in some other context, some other worldview, that's where you would be. You, don't, you, don't, you just don't have the energy to change. And so you just go through the motions. You don't want to search the field. You don't want to use the energy. Carelessness. I hope that none of us here today are here because of tradition or discipline or carelessness. I hope that you are here today in this field of the word, in this field of the church, because you have found something. And I hope that you have found this treasure personally, that you have discovered the value of the gospel, that you've discovered the value of Jesus. And if you happen to be here today because of tradition or, or because of discipline or because of carelessness or for some other reason, uh, I want to challenge you today. We need to ask ourselves the question, what needs to change? What needs to change inside of me that I start seeing and savoring Jesus for who he is, that I start seeing the value of the treasure? And I think it's pretty straightforward. I think that what needs to change is that we need to be born again. We need to be born again. You see, in John chapter 3, there's a Pharisee named Nicodemus that comes to Jesus by night. You remember the story? He doesn't want to go to Jesus by day. He's afraid to be seen by others. He goes to Jesus by night. He is well-versed in the scriptures. He is a rabbi. He knows the Old Testament in and out. He is a Sabbath keeper but he had not discovered the treasure. And so he comes to Jesus, and he, he, he talks about Jesus as a good teacher, but not as the Messiah. He says, good teacher, you're a good teacher. He, there's an interest that has sparkled, sparked, but he has not yet discovered the treasure. Now, Jesus doesn't use a lot of time in arguing back and forth about pointless things. He gets right to the point of what it's all about. And he says to Nicodemus, the first thing that he says, John chapter 3 and verse 3, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What needs to happen? He needs to be born again. You see, my friends, when we talk about winning people for Jesus, it's not just about winning them to an argument. It's not about winning them to a doctrine only. Yes, we can theoretically make decisions that are correct. Nicodemus did, this, did the same thing. He had many correct understandings of scriptures, but there was something that was missing. He wasn't born again. His affections were still somewhere else. My friends, God wants to win your mind, but also your heart. Can you say amen? We need to be born again, and it's only the rebirth that awakens in us new affections for God. You can make a decision to worship on Sabbath. You can make a decision uh, that you believe correctly about the state of the dead and about the second coming and about the law of God, but you can still be in a state where you have not been born again. Because there's more than a decision that is needed. There is a birth that is needed. And when that birth takes place, 
I have new longings. I have new affections for the things of Christ. I start seeing and savoring Jesus for who he really is. You know, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. For a long time, I thought that verse meant that we need to be born again in order to inherit heaven, to see the kingdom of God in heaven. Until recently, I was studying this passage again and preparing for this sermon, and the Lord was impressing on my mind that this is not something that we need to wait for. You see, when we are born again, we can already behold the kingdom of God here and now. We can already start seeing the kingdom of God. In other words, we can start seeing the treasure. It's about seeing the beauty and value of the kingdom of God right now. Christ introduced his kingdom, which is display of the gospel, and Jesus is our king, who was crowned with thorns and lifted up on the cross. And yet we see a beauty in this plan of redemption. We see this and treasure this. But in order to see this and treasure this, we have to be born again. That's an experience that each one of us needs. Did you know that there are really only two types of people in the world? Now I'm categorizing here, but this is a biblical categorization. There are only two types of people in the world. There are either dead people, now I mean here spiritually speaking, spiritually dead or spiritually alive. That's the only two types of people that there are. Either we are are dead in trespasses and sins or we have been born again and we are alive in Jesus Christ. Now my fear is that there are many that are spiritually dead in our churches today that we come to church we come to the empty field we go through the motions but we have not been born again the spirit has not awakened in us affections for christ now how do i know that how do i know that because life tells us this all the time think about this when you wake up in the morning what are your first thoughts what, what, what has your heart? Is it what you're going to do that day, your career? Is it sports? Is it, is it that, that hobby of yours? Is it that, that person that has become an idol in your life? What is it that has your heart? What are your first thoughts in the morning? What are your last thoughts when you go to bed in, at night? What has your affections? And if the answer to that question is other things than Jesus then my friends, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Because when we are born again, our affections will be wakened to one thing. In Psalms 27 verse 4, what did it say? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And let me suggest, my friends, that this is an experience that we need in order to survive the last days before Christ comes again. Do you know that this experience that we're talking about here is an end-time experience that God's people need? Let me show you that. If you are still in Psalm 27, look at the very next verse after verse 4. 
So David says, one thing I've desired, and that is to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now verse 5, immediately after, says the following. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Is there a time of trouble that is coming upon this world? According to Bible prophecy, if you study carefully the books of Daniel and Revelation, you will find out that there is a time of trouble that is coming upon this world. Jesus himself also predicted this time in Matthew 24, a time that has never been until now. And in this time of trouble, my friends, if you do not have your affections on that one treasure, you're not going to make it through that time. Mere tradition mere discipline or carelessness is not going to get you through the time of trouble in order to go through this time of trouble and we can make it even more practical here this morning in order to go through any time of trouble that we are even facing today we need to have the experience of discovering the treasure of seeing and savoring jesus for who he is and in order to do that we need to be born again we must have the experience of being filled with God's Spirit. What is the first and greatest commandment in the Bible? In Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Not 50%, not 80%, not 90%, not 99.9%, .9 but all of your heart. How does God win our hearts? Isn't it interesting that, that it's a command? Jesus commands us, you shall love. How can you command someone to love? You can't really do that unless you display your love and your love becomes attractive and the, other, the affections of the, other, of the other is one towards the display that you have made of yourself. Are you with me? In marriage, you cannot command your spouse to love you. You must display love in order for your spouse to love you when her affections are one. And that's exactly what the gospel does. Jesus says you shall love God with all your heart, but then he displays the love of God to win our affections so that we see the treasure that is in Christ Jesus. And in order to find that treasure, there's no other place to go, my friends, than the word of God. Can you say amen? The Bible, the Word of God, sola scriptura, Bible. The Bible is the field, and we must search the field to find the treasure. In the book Great Controversy, page 593, it says the following, None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. To every soul will come the searching task. Shall I obey God rather than men? The decisive hour is even now at hand. Our, are our feet planted on the rock of God's immutable word? Oh, I pray, my friends, that for each one of us here today, that our feet are planted on the rock, Jesus Christ, so that when trouble may come, that that trouble will only push us closer to our treasure. Amen? Charles Spurgeon once said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Amen? 
let trouble come we will welcome it because it will only press us closer to jesus our treasure i love the testimony that was shared today a girl with cancer and yet she allowed that wave to throw her on the rock of ages now what keeps us from this experience turn with me in your bibles to isaiah chapter 55 the book of isaiah chapter 55 and i'm going to begin reading in verse 1 and if you're there you can say amen isaiah 55 beginning in verse 1 what keeps us from the experience of seeing and savoring jesus as our ultimate treasure of our lives isaiah 55 verse 1 says i'm going to read verse 1 to 3 ho everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat yes come buy wine and milk without money and without price for why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and i will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of david isaiah as he writes here under the inspiration of god is really extending the invitation of the lord himself that says to us that we can come those that are thirsty those that are hungering you see when you see something of the treasure of god when you see the gospel for what it is you only want more of that what is a sign of conversion my friends a sign of conversion is someone that has their affections on the word that have the, has their affections on jesus that want to seek him more than anything else they they are tired of spending their money on the things of this world they are tired of spending their money for things that do not satisfy as it says in verse 2. their affections have been awakened to something else my friends i i am all about decisions truthful decisions about what the word of god teaches but i want more than that i want the affections of someone amen someone can decide that the sabbath is the right day and they can decide that the, these biblical truths about about the law and the sabbath are true but if their affections are still on the hollywood movies if their affections are still on the music of this world and the things of this world then there is still a birth that needs to happen a rebirth because when we are born again it's only then it's only then that we will start longing for god longing for more and more of him incline your ear verse 3 and come to me god says here and your soul shall live and i will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of david do you want to go into that do you want do you want god to make that covenant with you this morning a covenant that will last forever a covenant an agreement in which he says that he will show you more and more of the gospel and the value in christ jesus what is hiding the treasure from us 
that treasure that we need to find in the field. What is hiding the treasure? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. My friends, we need to be aware that there is an enemy in the picture. There is an enemy that is continually seeking to blind our eyes from the glorious treasure as it is in the gospel and the person Jesus. And if you are not aware of that battle, then your eyes will be blinded. We need to know that there is a spiritual battle going on. Have you ever noticed that battle when in the morning you want to pick up your, your Bible but you end up pick, picking up your phone? Have you noticed that battle when you want to spend some time in the Word of God but you, you end up spending that time on Facebook? Have you noticed that battle when you want to go to that Bible study or that meeting but then you end up going somewhere else? My friends, this battle is real. And not only do we need to be aware of the battle, but we need to put on the armor of Christ. Every single bit of it. Put on the armor of Christ. And above all, let the treasure get your affections. Because, my friends, the discipline will only take you a certain way. Or you can discipline yourself to come to church. You can discipline yourself to go to a Bible study. You can discipline yourself in the morning to pray and to read your Bible. And that's all that will happen. You have actually done the act of reading something in the Bible. But if it does not have your affections, that discipline will start waning away eventually. But when the Bible grips you, when Jesus has a hold of you, when you see him for who he is, then that desire that is awakened in you will, will bring you far beyond what discipline can do. Amen? That's the experience that each one of us needs. You know, some of us, secretly, we long for the thief on the cross experience. What happens with the thief on the cross? He was crucified next to Jesus and, and, and then he, he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into the kingdom and Jesus confirms to him that, that he will have a place in the kingdom of God. And some of us secretly long for that experience because then we think that we can just live our lives the way we want. Our affections can be exactly where we want to place them, whether that's money or sports or recreation or traveling or anything. And then in the end, we will just turn to Christ and on, on our deathbed and we will say that prayer and then we will have our affections on Jesus. Secretly, many Christians want the experience of the thief on the cross. But let me tell you something this morning. If that is secretly what is taking place in your heart, let me tell you something very honestly. You are robbing yourself of joy. You are robbing yourself of the greatest joy that you could ever experience because the greatest joy is found where? It's found in the gospel. It's not found in all those other things. It's found in Jesus. That's why we are to behold this treasure today, right? Don't put it off. Don't think that one day my affections will be on Jesus, but for now I just want to follow the pursuit of my own heart. Your heart is wicked. It's deceitful, the Bible says, above everything. Let your heart be transformed so your affections may be placed on the one and only object, Jesus Christ. 
Because if this is not happening, my friends, the Bible even calls this a sin. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. You're in Isaiah. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah, the second chapter. And look at chapter 2 and verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah says, for my people, this is the people of God, my friends, this verse is to us today, for my people have committed how many evils? Two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. In other words, they have forsaken the treasure. They're not pursuing the treasure. And what about, what number two? Last part of verse 13. And they have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, not only have they turned themselves away from the treasure, Jesus, they have turned themselves to something they think can satisfy, but it can't. It's like a broken cistern. The water, it, the water is just spilled. And whatever you pursue that is not Jesus, ultimately you're going to be dis disappointed. Oh yes, the devil will try to satisfy. He will try to satisfy. But ultimately, my friends, the word of God is true. Those are cisterns that are broken. They can hold no water. And so why would we go that route? Why would we go there? Why would we waste the precious years of our life in pursuing broken cisterns? Why would we use years of our life in pursuing the things of this world? Why not now, in the strength of your youth, young people, or in the beauty of your old age, elderly people, why not seek the treasure, amen? Why not seek Him and use all the efforts that you have, your time and your talents, to pursue Jesus, the one and only treasure that can satisfy? In closing, let us go back to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. This one verse, my friends, has done more to shape my view about God, my view about mission, my view about salvation, than anything else in the recent months. I've been thinking, pondering, considering, studying this one verse. And I believe that, and I know that I need more, more of this treasure. I need to find it. I need to do everything in my might to obtain it. And I need to treasure it. I need to see the beauty of it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I mentioned earlier that these parables of Jesus, they have different facets of truth to them. The beautiful thing is, it's like a diamond, right, that you hold up in the light and it, and it just reflects light to all different directions. And this is how the Word of God works. You, you, you just pick up one verse and you hold it in the light of the Gospel and it radiates with beauty. And so many different facets of truth come out of this. You can study this verse for a long time and you'll find new beauty every time. You know, this verse has really a dual meaning as well. Even though we are that man in that parable that is seeking for the treasure, did you know that you can actually turn the parable around and it is also referring to Jesus being the man seeking for the treasure? And who does he find? 
Oh, he finds that treasure and it's you. Amen? It's you. And if, when he finds that treasure, he was willing to give up everything. He died on the cross. He gave up his life. He couldn't give anything more in order to purchase the treasure. Now, if you are his treasure, follow me closely. How important is it that he becomes your treasure? My friends, the Bible talks about the relationship with Jesus as a marriage. This is mutual love. Love does not just go one way. Love needs to be mutual. And so may we express the same love to Jesus that he expressed to us. Amen? In making him our treasure. We all know that a marriage does not last if there's not mutual love. And a marriage will not work if we do not prioritize our spouse. A marriage will not work if our affections are somewhere else. A marriage will not last on mere duty or discipline. A marriage lasts when you treasure the other beyond anything else. And this is the relationship that God wants with each one of us. Many people had gathered in a banquet hall and they were going to hear a renowned orator. He was well known for his oratory gifts of speaking. After a wonderful meal, he mesmerized the crowd with his voice as he recited poetry and famous selections of speeches. Towards the end of the meal and the time together in this banquet hall, he addressed the crowd and he said, does anyone have a favorite selection they would like me to recite? And from the back of the room, there was an old man that stood up. And he asked if this famous orator, if he could recite the 23rd Psalm. And um, the orator said that he would be happy to do that. He knew it by heart. Psalm 23, right? The well-known Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And so he said, I'll, I'll do it, but only on one condition that you, and he pointed to the elderly man in the back of the room, he said, but you, that you recited after me. And the old man says, okay, I, I can do that. He loved the psalm. He knew it by heart. And so with great eloquence and beautiful trained voice, the orator recited the well-known psalm. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me besides the still waters. Now, when he finished reading the psalm, or reciting the psalm, rather, the people erupted in applause. They loved to hear him recite that psalm. And he looked at the old man in the back and he said, okay, now it's your turn. And so the old man got up, he came up front, and he was very shy, he was looking a little bit down, he hadn't stood before so many people before in his life. And slowly but gradually, he started reciting the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. But at certain times when he was reciting the psalm, he needed to look down and, he, and, he, and his voice was trembling. He was very touched by what he was reading. And he started to weep. When he finished reciting the psalm, there was silence. No applause. Nothing. Just silence. But many people were weeping. They were amazed by what they just witnessed. After the event, someone asked the orator, the famous speaker, what he thought had produced the different response in the crowd. Why first applause and then silence and weeping? 
And the speaker paused for a moment, and you know what he said? He said, I know the 23rd Psalm, but that man knows the shepherd. And that makes all the difference. And I don't know about you today, my friends. You can know and you can really know. Are you with me? I pray that you just don't know these doctrines that we believe, but that you may know the shepherd, that you may know Jesus, that you will see and savor him as your treasure. That's my prayer. Don't let this world get your affections. It's not worth it. Jesus is worth it. And he has given everything for you, so why not give everything for him? Jesus is our treasure. He is the greatest treasure that we could ever find. And some of you here this morning have found him, and you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing that moves you more than Jesus. And yet I also know that there are those of us here today that are just about to find him. Maybe you are finding him right now this morning as we're digging into the word. And you want to express this morning your love for Jesus afresh. Maybe some of you here this morning, you, 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 could, you hear the spirit that is prompting you. You hear the spirit that is moving you and saying, your affections need to be on me. You've given your affections to other things, but today, today, your heart can be turned to me. And so I want to see a victory for the Lord this morning, and I believe that he will be victorious, because the word says in Isaiah 55 that his word will go forth and not return unto him void, but accomplish in that which he is pleased. And so my simple appeal this morning is, is there someone that would like to come forward and dedicate their, Lord, their life to the Lord and say, I want to be truly born again. I want my affections to rest on Jesus. If that describes you, I want to invite you to come forward for special prayer. We're going to pray in a moment together in closing, but I want to give the opportunity for someone here that says, I want that experience. I know my affections have been other places, but this morning I want Jesus as my treasure. Please come forward for special prayer. Those that would like, you say, I need that. I need that. Anyone that would like to come forward for special prayer, don't be afraid. It's a decision between you and the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But even now, for us all, we can make that commitment to the Lord. Is there anyone else that would like to come forward? It says, my affections have been on the things of this world, but I want them to be on Jesus. I, I have not had Jesus as the greatest treasure of my life, but I want him right now. Don't, don't be afraid of what people will think around you. Just be listening to that voice of the Spirit that is moving you. Anyone else that would like to come forward right now? I want to have a special prayer for you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen, sister. Let's stand together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the treasure of heaven to this earth. Thank you for Jesus and for all that he has done for us. Thank you that he died that ignominious death, not in vain. Thank you that he rose from the grave and that he is triumphantly at your right hand even now as I speak. And thank you, Lord, that in your word we can find the treasure. And Lord, I pray earnestly this morning that you will awaken in us the affections that are due to that revelation that you've given of yourself. Help us to be like David, that one thing we desire, one thing we long for, and that is to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Help us, Lord, to continue to inquire 
to continue to seek your word, to find treasure there and to see the value of it, Lord. Thank you for those that have come forward this morning expressing that they want their affections to be on you even though they also admit that the world has been drawing them away. And I know that there are many more here today that have the same experience. And so I pray for those here and even those that are listening to this message later or viewing it some, through some other means, I pray, Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice right now, Lord, I pray that you'll turn our affections to you, that you will allow us to experience a rebirth so that we may savor Jesus and the treasure of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for giving us new life. Thank you for Adventist Fellowship Geneva. I pray that you will bless this church, that you will strengthen this church and let it to be a light in this city, in this country and beyond. And we dedicate our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray and let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.